judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. What's new? What's what's life like in Rebecca Hood? Life is chaos. Life is full of like, go, 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 go from one place to another. I think Thursday was a good example of that. We were trying to get our Comic-Con panel tickets. Oh, my God. If I That was supposed to be Monday. Yes. Monday. And I had plenty of time Monday. Me too. We were both off. We spent a lot of time. We have a, a, a lady. Well, in my phone, it says ladies of Comic-Con. And it's like me, Rebecca, and two other friends who like go to Comic-Con. Three hours just to be like, oh, guess what? You're not getting your reservations. It, it was a lot of nonsense. And I, I don't think I'm going to Comic-Con next year based on this. Like, it's it's too much. Like, it's my, the way my anxiety is set up. Like, if I wouldn't have. But there's two panels I wanted to see. And I got them, thank goodness. But like, if I didn't get them, I would have had to go because I paid for my ticket and would have just been mad that I didn't get to, you know, like, oh, yeah. go look at this thing. You can go stand outside the room, the thing you can't be in. Like, that's so mean. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like, I I understand why they moved it online last year because there was still very strict with the COVID protocols and all yeah. of that. And they are still requiring masks, which I appreciate. But I liked the system. It was, I think, in 2019 that they did this, where you went in the morning. It listed all the panels that were going to be there that day. Mm-hmm. And you got in a line for the panel that you wanted the most. Oh. Once you got through that line, they would tap your card and then you'd be good to go. If you wanted, you could then get into another line. Mm-hmm. And if they still had seats, get tapped in for that one. But it forced you to prioritize. And I think the yeah. online system allows someone to go, oh, I'm in. Let me get everything. And they don't yeah. even care about everything. See, I try not to be a dick. I don't know. So people know what we're talking about. So at Comic-Con, there's panels that you can attend and some are more popular than others. So they need you to reserve them. It used to be back in the day, you would just show up and wait in line for the panel to start, which I didn't love, but also I kind of respected you know, the dedication to wait. I right. like the online system better because it feels like you're not wasting your time. I just feel like there has to be a better way to do it online. Like we both, I don't teach at a college, but we both work for colleges. Like when students have to register for classes, if everybody does it at the same time, the system shuts down. Right. They should have like a rolling thing. Like when you buy your ticket, you get a time slot or if they could get themselves together early enough and maybe know the panels when you're buying your tickets, because then you can just say, I want to go to these things and it's all added on in your ticket. You know, like I know that part would be tricky because they don't have all the talent lined up. And if they do line up all the talent that far in advance, and then someone's like recording schedule for the movie or the, the show that they're Mm -hmm. on affects it. And then they have to cancel. It becomes more of a scramble. So I do understand them waiting until later, but I do like that idea of the, the sort of, this is your slot for if you want to reserve panels. And, and I also get like, it's nice that you don't have to say, okay, a max of two panels a day, but because maybe you really are interested in three or four of them on one day, but none on another day. But at the same time, I don't know. It just kind of, 
it really like I there were seven that I really wanted to go to over the course of four days. Mm-hmm. And I got three of them. So, you know, okay. I got the one that I wanted the most, which mm-hmm. is which is good. But yeah, it just it seems kind of like people people are just going in and snagging things up even if they don't want them. And also Funko, just make us wait in line. Over the pop figures. Oh, yeah. I'm so mad about that. I really, you know. Oh well, like it's rare that I want a pop figure mm-hmm. that's brand new like that. You know, I usually go for like some of the old stuff, if anything. But I really wanted a new one this year. And now it's like, do I know anybody who got one that might only want one and can get me one as well? I don't think so. None of us got in. No, none of us got in for that. I don't know. I feel like if you did get in, you're probably like one for me, one for the Internet, you know, like to resell. And that's that's also people who went in and just was like, oh, I'm going to pick all the panels because I went in and I was like, okay. I want these. Oh, but these ones are still available. Well, I don't really want to go to them. and I'm not going to click them. So I just like close. I saved out mine and then closed it out. I didn't even think that there would be people who would be like, maybe I'll go to this and clicked other things that they yeah. know, weren't sure about, which seems crazy. But also people are people are selfish. People are people. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? Have you had any like downtime recently? Oh, so much. I don't know what I'm neglecting. I'm going to find out, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's going to come I, back one day and haunt yeah. you. <laughs> I'm going to be like, wait, I had so much time to like do stuff. Why? Oh, because like all these things are due and I just didn't do them. Um, So I watched Blonde on Netflix. Is it a show or a movie or? Oh my God. How do you know? We talked about this. So Did we talked about, you know, my memory is shit. <laughs> I mentioned it super briefly because it was still in production when we did our Marilyn Monroe episode, but it is uh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, Oh, my God. I forgot her name. Anna de Armas from Knives Out and some really terrible movie with Ben Affleck. I can't remember the name of this movie was like really. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me read you my letterbox review and let's go from there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I am remembering now. Now that you're talking about it, it's coming back to me. But like, I just, I don't know if my brain is a sieve or there's just too many things in there and there's certain things I don't hold space for anymore. <laughs> but <clears throat> Okay, so my Letterbox review. Also, if you're on Letterbox, you should find me. I'm pretty sure it's just complaints. It's, it's complaints everywhere. So this is my Letterbox review for Blonde. I once saw a butterfly land on a pile of shit and it was really beautiful, but still shit. This movie makes me so mad because smart, creative people put a lot of work into this project and all we got was cruel torture porn, beautifully filmed shit. So like there are so many really pretty sequences. They do beautiful things with sound and the light and the acting is great, but it is violent as fuck. Yeah. Any time that they could have, Joe DiMaggio was uh, apparently, was allegedly abusive. They make him super fucking abusive. They make the abuse scenes, abuse scenes way too long. Um, there's like just a level of cruelty that they put throughout. Like there's supposed to be someone writing letters to her claiming to be her father, which I've never come across. But like I'm not a Marilyn Monroe scientist, but I've done a lot of research and I've never heard of this. But they kind of the the letters become, oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to see my daughter grow up to 
well, my daughter's kind of a whore now. And it's so weird that you're like allowed to exist. And they put that over a scene of her being beaten by her husband. And it's just like so unnecessarily cruel. There also is, and I don't know if this is a spoiler, but like lots of people mention it on Letterboxd. There is a talking fetus, and that should only exist if it's Bruce Willis. Like, there should be no (laughs) other talking fetuses. But this one, like, kind of, like, abortion shames her. It's fucking weird. Like, it goes from, oh, I hate this movie, I'm going to stop watching, to, oh, my God, that scene was so beautifully done. Which, Which bothers me, because that means that there was someone behind it going, oh, I got this. I know camera angles. I know how to make this sound work to make something respectful and gorgeous and they decided fucking not to they decided to to just shit on Marilyn even further I think the the Netflix description I'll screenshot it and I'll put it on the Instagram but it says something about like disrespected and abused Marilyn Monroe and it's like yes you're continuing it you you're part of the problem and you could have not been and you decided to be was it a Netflix like original yes yeah so like, Yikes. and you know what? It's so frustrating me because it's like criterion level shit. Like it's pretty. And I feel like you should see it, but also you should save yourself the cruelty and not see it. Mm-hmm. So I think if you decide, if you were to, if you were a person who'd never heard of Marilyn Monroe ever and don't know anything about the violences of the violence involved in her life, then I think it would make sense to see it if it was your first thing. But if you've grown up seeing nothing but like really shitty things about Marilyn Monroe, it's fucking enough. Like, it's enough. Like, we know. We get it. We, it's an NC-17 rating. Oh. And it deserves it. There are some very explicit sex scenes that aren't consensual. Like, it's it's a lot. And it didn't need to be that much. It's not like people don't know that her life had a lot of, like, sexual violence. Like, it's not a surprise to anybody. But right. again, it is beautifully filmed. So part of me is, like, there's the the like film bro part of me that's like you gotta see this man it's so beautiful and then there's the woman part of me that's like oh my god we should burn this no one should see this yeah that's that's where i lie on that if you're gonna see it you're gonna see it you're gonna enjoy the cinematography because it's very beautiful and like even like each maybe should be nominated for some oscars for how beautiful the cinematography is but like everything else is, is terrible it is a pile of shit with a butterfly on it Okay. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for that that <laughs> summation because now I definitely will not be checking it out. <laughs> but it's so it's it sucks so much because it's such a pretty film. Well, you know, I was just um well from when this episode comes out, the episode of fandom thing. It's a fandom thing that I was uh, just we recorded last night. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Guillermo del Toro films and. That's kind of what I was saying about um, Crimson Peak. Like, visually, it's a stunning film. Mm-hmm. Plot-wise, goodbye. I, d- I liked the first, like, two-thirds of it, and then the end, I was just like, no, no, this is... I just didn't buy into it at all. It was terrible. Not rapey, torture porn type stuff uh-huh. like you're talking about, but something where, like, I feel like the story just fell apart but the cinematography was really well done. So, is it like have you ever seen Citizen Kane? Yes, I have. <laughs> I hate that movie so much, but it did like so many like great things for cinematography. I'm like, this is what camera angles should look like, and it was like a really great like jumping off point to like a lot of 
different technology and film. But it's the most boring fucking film. Like, it's so boring. And, like, I had to watch it. Because you did film studies, right? <laughs> yeah, I was a, whatever this means, a film marketing major. Um, and I had to watch it. So a lot of it was, like, film production. And so I had to watch it every semester. And I was like, can we not? And if it weren't for the NC-17 rating, I had said, I said to my husband, I was like, I was like, Blonde is the new Citizen Kane. Because it's so beautiful, but it's a stupid fucking story. But it's NC-17, so they're not going to be showing it in classrooms and stuff. But God, the techniques in it are so good and it makes me mad. I w- I mean, I would look and see what the other, the, what the director has done outside of this film, maybe. But he seems like a weird fucking misogynist. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah, it definitely gives me sketch vibes. That's not the only thing making you angry these days. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect to get that. Listen, that's a hot take. I didn't expect to get that uh, riled up. I saw this film yesterday. Um, but another thing, you know, grinding my gears, which started out as like really cool and sweet, is um, Lizzo playing James Madison's flute on stage at uh, her concert in Washington. So the Library of Congress, who I thought just had like memorabilia, but like I didn't think they had like flutes and stuff so apparently they have like over 2,000 flutes or some nonsense that's amazing (laughs) a ton of flutes and they have James Madison's which was like gifted to him or something I don't know he was a slave owner so I'm not super concerned about him but she got to play his flute um at the congress and then like they brought it that night so she could play it on stage and I was like this is so cool and I like shared it on our Instagram my Instagram and then like the next day conservatives got a hold of it and Oh my God, just be the most like racist, fat, phobic shit. Like they someone quoted Ben Shapiro, who you do like, oh, he's like a flat out racist. I like you should not ever quote him. But people are like, oh, this is like the woke mob taking it too far. And then on the other side, pe- the same woman, I don't know what her name is, and then she doesn't matter. But she's like, oh, well, shouldn't the woke be canceling Lizzo now because she played a slave owner's flute? And it's like, you can't be mad about two different things. Also, you didn't know that flute existed like a week ago because no one did. Also, how many flutes do you think she played? Because I read something where she like tried out a bunch of different flutes in the Library of Congress. (laughs) Her mouth on everything. Good for her. Because also, who else plays flutes? She's a fucking amazing flute. Flutist. 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 There we go. Which sounds weird. But yeah, it sounds like... I don't know, like you do something with hair, a flautist. <laughs> I say good for her. Good yeah, for her. And like learning, like, I think I always knew that he was like a slave owner, but I never really paid attention to it. I love that he's like churning in his grave somewhere knowing that like this beautiful black woman like played his flute. Well, he was, was a slave cool. owner, but he was also a s- made some babies with... Uh, oh, so he okay. was also like a slave lover. <laughs> I I say that in the most like ironic way. I'm like, like are very you saying that because you don't want to say rapist? <laughs> because like I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to avoid saying what we all know. I mean to say. <laughs> but yeah, so like people are big mad about that, and I think it's hilarious. And I'm actually going to see Lizzo tomorrow night. If you know the stadium doesn't float away because we have such terrible weather. Well, I mean, we're not in Florida, so we have, we do and have we never will be. <laughs> she says to no one with anger in her voice. Ooh, this got political. In case Carla's listening, we love you, Carla. <laughs> 
I'm Carl, I'm sorry you live there. No, I feel like people who live in like states that are known for ridiculousness just like kind of carve out a safe space for themselves. But yeah. like I would I would get into fights on the regular with people. Like if I lived in a place that was like super overwhelmingly like red or like, you know, right wing. Like I how could you go anywhere? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Also hurricanes. I mean this the weather we're getting now is, I'm assuming, remnants of that. It is, yeah, because it's hitting North Carolina. Or it was supposed to hit North Carolina last night. So this might be left over from it. Yeah. Anyway. Floods. We're talking about floods. I think that's a good segue into our biblical figure. There you go. <laughs> we got there. So today we are going to be discussing a legendary biblical figure. Um, not Noah's wife. We're not actually talking about the flood. <laughs> Oh my god, what was Noah's wife's name? See, does she get a name? She probably has a name. I don't know. Oh, so I do we are we're gonna be talking about Eve, but I do want to put out there that I personally am not a, a biblical expert in any way. I stopped going to church many years ago. So I'm looking at this very much from a literary standpoint. I know you went to Catholic school. I am what they call a, a Catholic school survivor, I guess. Uh, I went to Catholic school from pre-K to 12th grade. So I know stuff. I've tried to forget some stuff. But yeah, gotcha. like I'm definitely looking at this as like a literary figure like you. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Eve, like we said, and we're going to talk about her alleged sins and how it affected her and future generations. Then we'll go on to discuss how Eve is depicted in history and modern day pop culture. Finally, we'll wrap up with discussions of how translations, mythology, and science have played a role in how we judge her too harshly. Eve is a figure from the book of Genesis in the Hebrew Bible. Now, according to the origin stories of the Abrahamic religions, that's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, she was the first woman. Although, a quick side note here, there's some debate within Judaism as to whether the first woman was actually Lilith, Adam's first wife, but we'll get back to that later. According to the story in Genesis, Eve was created by God by taking Adam's rib. She was made to be his companion. Her name is most often translated into English as meaning living one or source of life. She apparently wasn't around when Adam was charged with keeping the garden safe or when God commanded Adam not to eat the forbidden fruit. But we do know that she was aware of this command. I don't know. Maybe Adam told her later. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, did he? Did he forget? Did he forget? <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right. As the story goes, Eve decided to eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil after the serpent suggested that it would actually not kill her as she feared but instead bring her benefits. And I think we see that in a lot of like mythology stories and religious like God stories where there's always this figure who's like trying to convince, like trying to give the gifts to humanity mm -hmm. that God is keeping from them. Well, I mean, right. Like Prometheus, isn't that per Prometheus? Yeah, he tried to bring fire down to, because like they're looking out for us, right? They're like, hey, right. you should have this thing and you don't. Why don't you think about it? But apparently that was sinful. Well, Eve shares the fruit with Adam, who apparently can't not try it if Eve got to try it. You know, he wants to try it, too. <laughs> was it wrapped in bacon? I mean, 
If it was, I'd be eating that. Those were oh my good. God. Side note, we had these things called bacon lollipops, which were just like stewed apples wrapped in bacon. And I was very hesitant, but Rebecca was like, I want to get it. And I was like, let's get it. And it changed my fucking life. They were delicious. Was, I'm sure. Like, melted in your mouth. Like the yeah. apple. It was just like applesauce almost. Yes, it was. And it sounds weirder, right? Applesauce wrapped in bacon. But like it was, it was amazing. It was so good. So, so good. maybe if that's what was coming off this tree. <laughs> I would be along Adam with Eve. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, because they both try it, they're both banished from the Garden of Eden before they can eat from the Tree of Life, which would allow them to live forever in a state of knowledge. So, and honestly, when I think about the world and knowing things in the oh, world, right? I don't want to live forever either. Not, like, it's hard enough living now, what we know. Imagine you've lived forever and you have to be around people who are going to tell you it's not true. And you're like, I've been here since day one, literally. Like, you cannot tell me that what I'm saying is not fact. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. Gas- Gaslighting. <laughs> that sounds like what it must be like to live in Florida. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Florida. I love Universal Studios. <clears throat> so different religions have different views on Adam and Eve's disobedience. I was put in quotes. You can't see that. But their disobedience, a.k.a. the fall of mankind and the consequences of those actions on humanity as a whole. So some Jewish and Christian teachings hold Adam and Eve to different levels of responsibility for this moment. Some say that they're equally responsible, and others say that Eve carries all of the blame. The Catholic Church, though, apparently recognizes Eve as a saint. So, like, I I guess they forgave her or something? I don't really know. Like, hmm. that's a kind of a weird thing. I, and maybe it's not in all branches of Catholicism, because uh, what I was reading about is that feasts are held in her and Adam's honor, on December 24th in different parts of Europe, including Estonia, Germany, Hungary, Lithuania, and the Scandinavian countries. So maybe it's particular to that region. I don't know. I wonder why that day. Like, do they celebrate Christmas the next day? Um, Sure. Why not both? I mean, I just... I, I think they probably what... celebrate Christmas that day, too. It's like a two for one. It seems... <laughs> I wonder why the blending of the two, like the downfall of like humanity and then like the birth of Christ, I guess. That's a good question. Um, I think we have some Norwegian listeners. So if they Ooh. know, they should uh, please tell us, let us how know. do you celebrate? Like, what, what do you have at this feast? I want to know so badly. Apples wrapped in bacon. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the big thing about Eve is the punishment for her disobedience, right? Yeah. Because of this, all women that came after her are end up sentenced to a life of sorrow and pain during childbirth. Also, she must be under the power and rule of her husband. So things like Applegate don't happen again. <laughs> Applegate. Applegate. And not Christina. But honestly, like, tell me a man wrote the book of Genesis without telling me a man wrote this. Like, come on. She's going to have pain in childbirth and, oh, you know what? She also has to obey her husband. But dudes, you know, they're just, they're good. They just have to stand there. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. That's that's their punishment, you know? Anyway, so it's not exactly known how many children Eve gave birth to, but first there was Cain and Abel. So a lot of us know that story, right? Yeah, Cain, Abel, murder, enemies, brothers, stuff. 
everything I know about Cain and Abel, I learned from Supernatural. I mean, that's not true. That's <laughs> I, but that is the given, first thing I thought of. <laughs> giving like 14 years of Catholic school, I hope you learned a little something else. <laughs> I've erased it all I told you. I replaced it with Supernatural. I mean, I, I respect that. <laughs> Anyway, after these two, or maybe there were others in between, it's not really clear, but their only other child that has a name in Genesis is Seth. And when we were talking about the flooding earlier, Noah is apparently a descendant of Seth a few generations down the line. And um, so according to the story, right, if everybody died in the flood except for Noah and his family, that means that all of modern humanity is a descendant of Seth (laughs) according to this according to this story I'm just I feel like it needs more of a biblical name than like yeah everybody's born from Seth (laughs) it's weird that Seth doesn't seem biblical when he's literally like one of the first five names mentioned I guess but I'm picturing like short king Seth Green and I'm like (laughs) all right that would be kind of cool to be like a descendant of Seth Green but like he's so chill he doesn't seem like I would watch that movie. Right. Like he doesn't seem like the take charge guy. Like I feel like Seth had to be like kind of a dick if he was the first one because he's gonna make all the rules and stuff, you know? Well, and he was like the replacement son for Abel. Like Abel died. So they're like, oh, Seth, there we go. Like now Seth has like this complex. <laughs> this guy's not ruling anything now. <laughs> And according to according to Genesis 5-4, Eve did have other children, but, you know, like I said, they never got names. So my assumption is they're probably mostly daughters. They're like, um, yeah, we don't need to talk about those. Just just keep going. Only the men, please. Let's talk about how Eve is seen, like, outside of herself, like how she's seen in like the religious text. So the story of Adam and Eve's expulsion from Eden is characterized as a parable or a wisdom tale. So that's basically like a story that served to teach a lesson about humanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically the expulsion narrates a dialogue exchange between a serpent with legs, which no thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Who is made by God and Eve. Now, Eve is willing to talk to the serpent, who is apparently quite cynical about God's prohibition of eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I love a good cynical snake. (laughs) Cynical slithering snake. Well, not slithering. He's like walking. That's great, babe. Yeah. is very convincing. And Eve, and then also later Adam, eats from the tree. And according to God, this is a sin. God calls them out. Adam throws Eve under the bus. And in turn, Eve blames the serpent. Yeah. So the serpent loses his legs and now he is a slithering cynical snake. (laughs) So we get snakes and Adam and Eve are banished from paradise. So like, it's so creepy because like, if you were already scared of snakes, now imagine them with legs. Like, (laughs) What did that even look like? Was it just like a straight snake and then like the legs come out the side? Was it wearing shoes? Like, I don't understand. Oh, it's like scattered. Oh, gross. Like, I'm just picturing like, um, what is, what, what is everything else that's half something, half human? Like legs on the top, then the waist comes and then it's a snake, but it's also coiled. 
Oh, oh, like, oh, no, I didn't have it coiled. Oh, my gosh. No. Yeah. Okay. So, like, what is that? What's the other thing? A minotaur, which is like a man on the top and like a goat or a horse at the bottom. No, that's a centaur. Yeah. Minotaur is a bull. And I think it's, I think it's got a bull head, though, as opposed to a human head. Right. Like, but it is like half. Like maybe the half. body of a human in the, the but a, head. The head of a bull. Yeah. So I'm thinking this serpent person was all legs, like all the way up to like the torso, and then like a coiled snake with like a head. Like a <laughs> I wish this was a visual podcast because the <laughs> the motion I'm making, like a serpent's head, like, sure, sure. like a cobra. I think of it more like a Richard Scary kind of critter but like with legs and sneakers like running around oh wait so like well no just the two legs right yeah oh no i gave it four legs why'd you give it four legs i don't know because it's a snake it needs to like hold itself up somehow (laughs) anyway we are way off (laughs) we did we did because this is it's just weird like i'm still stuck on if it wore shoes or not like send us your your pictures of Oh my god. Serpent before it became a snake. Yes. What do you think it looked like? That's nightmare food. I might not want those, but I'd be willing. Send them to our email address. So let's get back to Eve, because Eve was the one who was identified as the source of all the original sin in humanity across religious practices and beliefs. So that theory is like pretty well cemented throughout most religions. A woman being in the wrong is something that everybody can agree with, right? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> But their concepts such as the serpent being Satan in disguise, uh, Eve's sin being a sexual temptation, and Adam having a previous wife, Lilith. So these ideas aren't actually found in Genesis, but instead they come from other Jewish literary works. Yeah, so for example, in the Jewish book, The Alphabet of Ben Sirah, uh, we see Eve identified as Adam's second wife. The book suggests that Lilith was created at the same time as Adam, from the same earth as Adam, and as his equal. Basically, she refused to sleep under or serve Adam. And when he tries to force her into a position of inferior to him, she flies away from Eden because maybe we had wings at some point. I don't know. Stop. Uh, legs, I can't. <laughs> but she goes, she flies up into the air where then she has sex with demons and conceives hundreds of hundreds of uh, baby demons, I guess they were. Why? Because she was evil, obviously. Okay. So God sends the angels after her, right? And they're threatening to kill all of her baby demons if she doesn't return to Adam. But she's like, nah, I'm good. I'd rather stay here with my baby demons. You can try and kill them, but I'm not going back to that man. Oh, he must have been terrible. So, of course, God's like, bro, I got you. I'm going to make you a better one. He's not going to give you as much lip. So he makes Eve. Only this time he made her from Adam's rib, um, making her making her part of him, not separate. Eve is a reminder that a woman is created to be by a man's side. Yeah, we'll come back to that later on. But yeah, there's that's definitely like the two wife story is kind of an interesting take. Yes. But basically, I look at this and I'm like, Team Lilith all the way, right? She's badass. I mean, I don't know about like these demon babies, but like, uh, who decides that they were demons? It's like, she's like, I don't want to be here with you. Well, that's the thing. Who decided they were demons? Right? That is the question. Regular. Exactly. It was probably like Adam, and he's like, they're not mine, so they must be demons. <laughs> Fair. Fair. 
I mean, I just love her because she wouldn't take any shit from God or Adam. So, you know, it, with the creation of Eve, we basically have someone who is intentionally not her equal. So let's look at Eve's portrayal in the three different Abrahamic religions. And we'll start with Judaism. In the first creation narrative account, it states male and female created them. And this has been interpreted to imply the simultaneous creation of man and woman. But the second creation narrative states that God created Eve from Adam's rib because he was lonely. This is a pretty big discrepancy and likely why we get the Lilith story to justify the discrepancy. Yeah. According to Rabbi Joshua, who was, I was like, Rabbi Joshua, who's this? (laughs) Joshua was pretty traditional. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, But he was a leading rabbinic sage in the first century of the common era. So, I mean, this isn't like, yeah, it's not like Joshua from last year. It's Joshua from the year 52 or something. Anyway, he states, God deliberated from what member he would create woman. And he reasoned with himself thus, I must not create her from Adam's head, for she would be a proud person and hold her head high. If I create her from the eye, then she will wish to pry into all things. If from the ear, she will wish to hear all things. If from the mouth, she will talk much. If from the heart, she will envy people. If from the hand, she will desire to take all things. If from the feet, she'll be a gadabout. Therefore, I will create her from the member which is hidden. That is the rib, which is not even seen when man is naked. Like, (laughs) that thought process, I can't. Right? I just don't, I mean, my favorite is, is the first. Like, oh, she will be a proud person and hold her head high. God forbid. Ugh, look at this woman being proud of herself you stupid bitch how dare you like what on earth like listen this this episode's getting me fired up i'm not gonna lie i mean it's all rabbi joshua's fault so rabbi joshua also said that eve despite the divine efforts of god turned out to be a swell-headed coquette eavesdropper gossip prone to jealousy but like to who (laughs) they're in the garden of eden so is she like telling the rabbits what the frog said like it feels very early to label women with things that men just don't like like oh (laughs) she was gossipy there are two of you in there who are you gossiping about and what like oh adam's so annoying it was her and the serpent oh And in the Genesis Rabbah, which is a collection of ancient interpretations of the book of Genesis, Adam is noted as quickly realizing that Eve is destined to constantly argue with him. I roll. Right? He's so stupid. Oh, she just got here and she's already having opinions about things. And now she wants to talk about them. Why will women always argue with me? This is the second woman woman you know, Adam. Like, <laughs> at best. Oh, I, I, so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And not only that, there are passages that contain instances where Eve is accused of sexual transgressions. Again, with who? With who? <laughs> She's probably masturbating. Good for you, girl. <laughs> anyway, in chapters 20 and 23, uh, she is accused of having an overdeveloped sexual drive and of constantly enticing Adam with her sexuality. So, okay, like, this is a rage eye roll, but, like, literally what you just said about, like, her masturbating. So, say, like, you just got made literally yesterday. Like, everything is new. Like, hey, this grass feels really great when I walk on it. Like, what's this do? What's that do? There's differences between you and this dude who's in here. 
Like Eve couldn't have been the only one in that garden who was like, what's this do? What's that do? Like it was just experimenting. And for some reason it's all on her. I don't understand how the two of them experimenting in this garden, which would make sense if you're brand new, you know? With papayas and serpents. <laughs> papayas and serpents. <laughs> and just, I don't know how it's all on her, but like, unless Adam was the most boring man in the world and was just like, I'm fine sitting here counting blades of grass. Don't touch me, you evil wench. <laughs> Well, like, this isn't even the most popular sexual transgression assigned to Eve. Like, that would be, and I think you might have almost been going there, but this would be the idea that she had sex with the serpent. Like, no joke. That is in there. I gotta say that, like, if it's if it's you in this garden, it's Adam, and it's the weird snake who may or may not be wearing <laughs> shoes and has legs, and she goes for the weird snake with legs adam you're the problem like, <laughs> not her fault you're you're adam seemed really lame like i think he's just like a, a loser he's and he didn't know how to cope he didn't yeah and he's just like ah now she's making me eat apples god help me like adam seems like the worst and then I mean, she did what she had to do to get out of this place yeah yeah well let's move on to christianity then just keep adding on to this piling on <laughs> some of the interpretations there about Eve. So when we add the New Testament into the mix, there are some new interesting elements that are added to her story. So ancient Christian theologians suggested that based on 2 Corinthians 11.3 and 1 Timothy 2.13 and 2.14, if you know those by heart, good on you, I don't, uh, the Apostle Paul encouraged the silence and submission of women. Now, this is not shocking, but what is interesting is that this was all due to Eve's deception by the serpent and her and Adam's consumption of the forbidden fruit. Like, that's what he was basing this on. So, like, every woman should have to shut up. Yes. Forever. Because of Eve. Because that one allegedly did something. Mm-hmm. Tertullian, a Christian author from the second century, told his female listeners that they were the devil's gateway <laughs> and explained that all women were responsible for the death of Christ. Like, I really hoped he, you know, limbered up and stretched before making that leap. All, all of them, yep. not the people who literally nailed him to like, the cro- like that no, seems no, crazy. No, no. And not you the know, guy who like betrayed him on his own team. Okay. Th- those years of Catholic school are coming back. Like there were, he didn't even hang out with that many women and like, it was all their fault. Yeah. It definitely was. Church for truly and shut up. <laughs> Not everyone blamed Eve for the fall, though. St. Augustine blamed Adam for the original sin of rather than Eve, right? And that sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. His reasoning was that because sin lies in the soul and not the body, and because he considered reproductive intercourse to comprise of a bodily contribution from the female and a spiritual or soul-based contribution from the male, the original sin had to have come from a male and not the female Eve. So basically, like, women don't have a soul? <laughs> like, what? I was like, well, yes, St. Augustine. That makes sense. But it doesn't actually, St. Augustine. What are you talking about? So in that way, could women ever have any sin if they don't have souls? Maybe the sin is not having a soul. So then they are committing the biggest <laughs> sin of all. I don't know how important souls are. I don't remember. But 
Uh, well, according to Supernatural, they're pretty Listen, important. when I tell you that all of my knowledge right now, I'm going back and I'm thinking about Catholic school, but Supernatural always comes first because I was right? like, I don't know how important souls are. I was like, well, they were trying to like collect all those souls. Remember Cass was doing that? And then I was like, that's not. I can name way too many angels only from yeah. watching that show. <laughs> Supernatural is not biblical fact. Like I can't, I mean, biblical fact, but like it shouldn't be my, so- my source point when talking about this and in my head it is it's my default and i need to like relax <laughs> i'm with you 100 percent, though according to saint augustine eve's sin was forgivable because she was tricked by the serpent it also did not lead to consequences for the future the future of humanity because she was not the one who transmitted the sin onto her descendants he said that adam basically knew better that he had full knowledge of his sin and through lust chose a life of sin with Eve, who, you know, as we mentioned, she has a deficient soul (laughs) over a life with God. So it's Adam's fault, but also she's got a deficient soul. It's like, ignore her. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's she's just a woman. She's just so, "Mm, yeah, that's fun. So it seems a lot of people thought the way Tertullian did when it comes to Eve's portrayal in Christian art. She's generally shown as a temptress. And not only that, but the serpent is sometimes portrayed as having a woman's face. She's been compared with Pandora from the Greco-Roman myths, who was responsible for bringing evil into the world. And when she, like, opened that box, mm-hmm. and ruined it for everybody. Because she was curious. See what happens when curious women are around? How dare. How dare. Eve was also used as a way to encourage monogamy and heterosexuality, because the ideas shared in Genesis implies that one woman is created for one man. The fact that her creation came from being taken from Adam's side reinforces her secondary role to Adam and also emphasizes the dependent role of a wife and an intimate union between husband and wife. So again, doubling down on what we talked about before with the Judaism interpretation. In some branches of Christianity, Eve is considered a prefigurement or a foreshadowing figure of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary herself is sometimes referred to as the second Eve. Oh, you mean the other woman who had no consent over what was happened to her, what happened to her, but got a bunch of blame for it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So finally, let's address the way that Islam discusses Eve, or rather how they don't discuss her. So Adam's spouse is mentioned in the Quran multiple times, but the name Eve isn't used, isn't ever used in the text. She is, however, named in Hadith, which is a body of text that translates to what Muhammad said and did. The Quran relates an account in which God created, quote, one soul and created it from its mate and dispersed from both of them many men and women. But there are Hadiths which support the creation of woman from a rib. Adam's spouse is not blamed for convincing Adam to eat the forbidden fruit, and there's no concept of original sin in the Quran. Instead, the Quran indicates that they ate of it and were both to blame for that transgression. On the other hand, other contradicting Hadith accounts, some of whose authenticity is, cont- is contested, suggest that Muhammad designated Adam's spouse, or Eve, as the epitome of female betrayal. In one account, it is claimed that the Prophet said, were it not for Bani Israel, meat would not decay. And were it not for Eve, no woman would ever betray her husband. Like, relax. <laughs> relax. Another account has Muhammad saying, had it not been for Eve, women would have never acted unfaithfully towards her husband. 
But I do find it's really interesting that we have these, um, the holy scriptures, whether you're talking about the Torah, whether you're talking about the Bible, whether you're talking about the Quran, and they don't mention these things. It's these external texts, these yeah. additional, like, add-on spin-offs, if you will. Uh, girlfriend just broke up with me add-on copy that some <laughs> man had to write because he was like all women are terrible and they've always been terrible and it's because of eve and it's like is it or has mm-hmm. men just been bad at like listening to women i don't understand the lumping of of women like i feel like you would never say that every or you shouldn't say that every man is the same but i don't know why it was like okay in this world to say like every woman is the same and they should be punished because of something one did because they probably only knew like 20 women <laughs> One of them was their mom. Like, <laughs> you're talking about your mom, too. She doesn't count. Another important distinction from the Quranic version of the Adam and Eve story is that Allah created Adam from clay and bestowed upon him such a level of knowledge that the angels were commanded to prostrate themselves before him. After Adam and his nameless wife, who we will assume is Eve, <clears throat> ate the forbidden fruit, Allah sent them to earth where their children were doomed to live as enemies. Cain and Abel, right? Fun times. According to Quranic teachings, Adam's sin was his alone and did not make all men sinners. Adam was responsible for his own actions as his children and descendants were for theirs. In other words, it wasn't all put on Eve. A little bit of respect for that, I guess. Mm -hmm. So we've looked at these different portrayals of Eve in the different monotheistic Abrahamic religions, but Eve is considered the mother of all so we'll kind of pull it all together now i guess so after the curse was put on eve by god she left the garden alongside adam shortly after she was made pregnant by adam and gave birth to first cain and then abel and then as we mentioned apparently she had some more children which they were probably girls so there's no point even talking about them and eventually at age 130 yikes she gave birth to a son named seth Poor Seth. Not only was he practically a replacement for Abel, who had been murdered by Cain, his mom was, like, really old and tired. Like, (laughs) I I mean, Seth had a, I feel like Seth got the short end of the stick here. Like, probably he did. Who raised him? Who, like, had the time to teach him anything? Probably those daughters that uh, were born in between. <laughs> that, that we don't get to know about? The the nameless sisters? It's usually the responsibility of the oldest daughter to raise the younger children, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when your mom's 130 and she's just like, oh my god, I used to party in the garden with snakes. And now I have a million children with Adam who, like, cannot be bothered to even look at me. Well, and on top of that, Eve is not even mentioned again after giving birth to Seth. So, like, she did her job. No, she's done. But it is stated that Adam had other children and that, and, like, honestly, she was the only other one around to get pregnant. I mean, because we're not going to go with the other options. I feel like, like you just did. <laughs> I mean, you have to, right? Like, there's, like... I mean, yes, if if this story so a little flowers like, in the attic situation. Yeah, a little little some something or crimson peak. <laughs> no, I've anyway. never seen crimson peak. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. <clears throat> the only thing worth it is that it's got Jim Beaver in it. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston is like super creepy in it. So Jim Beaver? 
Yeah, Bobby uh, from Supernatural. Okay. I'm like, wait, why do I know that name? Why did I think he was... Bringing it back to Supernatural. Supernatural. <laughs> Basically, Eve served her purpose, right? She obeyed God's command to bear children and have them to populate the earth. Nothing else was expected of her and nothing else was written about her. Well, like, fucking yikes on that. Like, her punishment sucked. Like, you got us kicked out of paradise and I have to go have kids for about a hundred years. Yeah, I always wonder about how years are calculated in, in right? Is it like dog years? Because like, <laughs> maybe there's no way she was 130. She didn't eat from that tree that lets you live forever, right? And with no like, wasn't like the life expectancy like in the 20s like to 50. So my first thought was like to break it down by moons because, Ooh. but then I, that would only make her 10 when she had Seth, which means. <laughs> Right, because it's 13 moons in a year. Yeah, so I'm now so interested in this. I'm trying to rack my little Catholic brain mind. Like, so when God put them in the garden, he made them, like, teenagers? Or were they, like, 30? Like, how old were they? <laughs> were they, they weren't babies, clearly, because they could climb trees and have sex with snakes. So they had to be at least... What is that movie from, like... The 70s or the With 80s? Brooke Shields when they're on that island? Yes! Yes! <laughs> what is that? I Splash? No, it's not Splash. No, 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 no. No. What's that what movie about? with Brooke Shields and the nakedness on the on the beach? And they, they get abandoned. Yeah, she's like naked and like 13. Yeah, that one. What's it called? Who's that? Uh... Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon. We got there. <laughs> Good God. I think we need to watch that now. I've never seen it, but I know what you're talking about. So it was it was similar, right? Like, not that like Brooke Shields was made from anybody's rib, but like it was just like two <laughs> No, yeah, they on an island. It was the two of them as kids, and like they had one adult with them for a while, but then the adult died when they were like maybe ten or twelve, and they just did their survival thing, and then like puberty hit, and they just had sex everywhere because. That's what happens. Because you're a curious teenager. You're curious about your new body parts. And there's no societal norms to tell you otherwise. You're just responding to nature. No. Anyway. <laughs> Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon, everyone. Go watch it. Report back. Let us know what you think. So, like, let's talk about Eve beyond the context of religion. So, the story of Adam and Eve from Genesis is deeply rooted in Western psyche, right? Like, Eve's tale is only a few pages long. Even within Genesis, it takes up very little narrative space. But, like, what I'm thinking is, like, does Genesis pass the Bechdel test? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. So, like, if you don't know, the Bechtel test is, uh, it measures the representation of women in fiction. So it'll ask if a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. So, like, let me Google it real quick. Okay, so apparently, yes, but, like, it's very, very borderline. Because the women talk to each other, but they talk to each other about a lot of men. Right. So, like, it's, I'm seeing so many different, listen, the Bible is contradictory because I'm seeing so many different things that are like, yes and no. So then there's one article that says without Ruth and Naomi, the Bible wouldn't pass the test, but it does. This was written in 2015. We'll share our findings with you, but I don't, I mean, some people say yes, some people say no. Okay. All right. Borderline. Borderline. Yeah. 
Anyway, women in the Western world have spent thousands of years dealing with the fallout of Eve's so-called original sin. In the past 2,000 years in particular, Eve has been used as a symbol to rationalize the suppression of women's rights and to slander their character. We can likely connect many of the misogynistic stereotypes and prejudices against women back to these convoluted interpretations of Eve's reputation. If we only consider Eve as a one-dimensional character, we see her as an inherently wicked afterthought to Adam. She's just there because we have to explain reproduction in some way or the other, right? Yeah. But throughout pop culture and art history, Eve is portrayed as a paradox. She's cunning yet naive, the earth mother who's also a fatal seductress. She's frequently depicted as the problem of man, the cause of his downfall, and basically his eternal scapegoat. What are the consequences of these types of depictions, though? Many of them have structured Western ideals of beauty, gender, and morality. Right? We see this time and time again in art dating back centuries and in pop culture from today. Biblical scholars have actually paid quite a bit of attention to the reception of Eve in mediums such as film, art, music, and even advertising. Before we get into the pop culture examples, let's take a look at how Eve has been portrayed in literature, art, and art history. Let's start with Paradise Lost by John Milton. Way back in 1667, Milton took the Genesis story and turned it into an epic tale of obedience, power, tyranny, and rebellion. This book represents an exploration of man's disobedience in a very polarizing and gendered manner. It basically places the blame on Eve in a manner greater than previous explorations ever had. Again, we have the serpent as Satan, and we have Eve portrayed in a deeply sensual manner. Her hair is described as being disheveled in wanton ringlets. Or does she just not have a brush because it's a garden? Like, <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, a little mermaid figured it out, but there were no dinglehoppers anywhere for her to like <laughs> comb her hair with. But she needs a pine cone, like. <sighs> yeah, and her ringlets are described um, as something that parallels the coils of a serpent. So likely inspired by the Medusa stories, I just my guess, but mm -hmm. I don't know. And she's distinctly aligned with said serpent. So they are in cahoots. Yeah, to bring down Adam. Poor Adam. He had <laughs> Poor Adam nothing. And this snake and all they wanted to do was plot his downfall. Gossipy little snakes in the garden. <laughs> and Adam was just like, I just want to sit here and count my toes, I guess. Like he was so <laughs> innocent. Uh-huh, totally. I roll. <laughs> right? So basically, Milton genders the fall of mankind. Eve represents that fall. She is more susceptible to Satan because she's intellectually inferior to Adam. <laughs> of course she is. Of course she fucking is, right? Mm -hmm. Good God. So he basically claims that it was too easy for Satan to whisper in her ear. So this raises the question, though, right? Like, does it mean that she's vulnerable because she's too dumb to know any better? Or is she ambitious and rebellious? This is one of those few times where I think why not both is not going to work. Mm -mm. Right? I'm definitely going with the latter. Ambitious and rebellious. Yes. Compared to Adam, Eve has a greater desire for autonomy, freedom, and knowledge. And obviously this is, as a woman, her fatal flaw. Like, how dare she? Mm -hmm. Once she's given into temptation and eaten the fruit, she convinces Adam to do the same. And because no responsibility for the situation can be put on a man, according to Milton, he's being described as being fondly overcome with female charm. He had no choice. She made him do it. it that sounds so much to me like, you know, oh, 
what were you wearing or yeah, you right? shouldn't have, like like seriously honestly though like think about it on any other thing we've talked about too like oh men just can't control themselves so girls can't wear spaghetti straps in class because like guys can't concentrate with women around doing normal ass things right men never had to take responsibility for the things that they do and it started with adam and in the western world this goes all the way back yeah Yeah. like what it goes straight to the top or to the bottom (laughs) or the first so this mark her so-called crime is insidious and perverse is because she and she alone you know has corrupted a man oh yeah totally just it was all on her yeah yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, the men can't control themselves, Rebecca. What do, what have you learned? What are we talking about here? Nothing. I've learned nothing because my soul is inferior. There you go. <laughs> and my it's, intellect is it's deficient. It's not your fault. You don't know anything. Just, just be pretty. Just be pretty. <laughs> struggling with that one. <laughs> as obnoxious as this account is, it really does speak to the conversation started with Genesis that revolves around a woman's capacity to tempt others, but also to be tempted herself. Even before Milton, three centuries before, in fact, Eve appears in a collection of biographies of historical and mythological women that was composed by Giovanni Boccaccio in the 14th century. This is notable in particular because it was the first collection devoted exclusively to the biographies of women from Western literature. Now, this Boccaccio dude, he wasn't like... It was a biography, right? He was just stating about her it wasn't mm-hmm. quite as he didn't go as far off the deep end as milton did oh milton when it comes to visual arts eve is one of the most painted women in western art history for centuries artists have created their own interpretations of eve and eve's story and if you type eve in art history into google there are so many options to choose from so many and all looking the same like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like i i had to wonder like how many different painters were there or was it just this one guy? <laughs> they were like, oh, that one? Okay, we'll just go from there. Like, that's what she looks like. Cool. Like, no mm-hmm. other interpretation. Nope, that's it. Well, one of these artistic accounts of Eve actually includes Mary. You know, again, mother of Jesus. We're bringing her back in. The painting is entitled Madonna and the Child Enthroned. And it's by Paolo di Giovanni Fay, who was a 14th century painter. In it, Mary has baby Jesus on her lap, like with a crown and all that stuff. Below her, Eve is lying down next to the serpent. And the caption the caption is what really drives it home, right? The caption states, The first woman brought death and sin to the world, but her counterpart, Mary, brings life and salvation for all. Basically, Mary and Eve are pitted against one another. One as the virginal ideal for women, the other as the sexually transgressed fallen woman. I like... I don't understand it, but it's like, oh, women being pitted against each other. Where have we seen this before? Oh, literally everywhere. Everything. Like I'm thinking Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton, like, Christina and Brittany. Like there's always something. There's mm-hmm. like there can only there's only room for like one woman, right? There's yeah, but one. who says that, right? Men. Yes. Because like not to bring it back to like really like now times, but like with women with women in rap. Like, it's this Nikki versus Megan versus Cardi thing. But, like, there's no, like, man versus man thing. And if all those chicks decided to go on tour next week, it would be so incredibly sold out. Like, there's no reason to pit women against each other but to try and keep the options of women that we have doing things down. Oh, yeah. If there can only be one, 
there's only going to be one, right? Like they're going to have so much infighting, but if it's right. like, Hey, there could be 20. Oh, so I know somebody who like does what I do really well. Let me bring them forward too. Then there'd be too many women and then the men would lose their goddamn minds. But it's like, yeah, you, you have the women oppress each other mm-hmm. so, so you that you're not it. responsible with it yeah. for it, even though it all comes back to it. Yeah. But you just blame it on them being gossipy because women mm-hmm. are, are ought to do that, right? They're gossipy. So, of course. Then it's like, totally. oh, it's your own fault. Oh, I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, let's do Eve. We, little did we know how many rabbit holes we would dive down. Oh, my God. But it's but it's the same always, right? Like, it's yeah. just women are treated universally. Even, even, even before they had regular ink to write down the stories, women were treated terribly. Like, ugh. Speaking of writing things down, according to Stephen Greenblatt, the author of The Rise and Fall of Adam and Eve, which was published in 2017, it wasn't until the Renaissance era when technological advances allowed the creation myth to spread widely in art, bringing the story to life. So one very famous portrayal of Adam and Eve is by the Renaissance German printmaker Albrecht Dürer. He created a copper plate engraving in 1504. And thanks to the invention of the printing press, the printing press is actually really fucking cool. Like, I'm going to hear about it. It's very cool. It's very cool. You made all these books. It's great. Um, anyway, <laughs> this plate was able to be reproduced over and over again so that thousands of people across Europe could see the image. Not surprisingly, although I feel like it should have been, many believe that they were witnessing a true representation of the first man and woman. Like, it just goes to show you, no matter how far back you go, people have always been gullible AF. Mm-hmm. Another 16th century painter from the Renaissance period was Lucas Cranach, the Elder. He was really into Adam and Eve as subjects of his art. His famous depiction of the pair shows a confused Adam accepting the fruit from Eve. Because obviously Adam can't figure out whether to take it or not on his own. Yeah, he's like, um, what's this? Mm -hmm. I'm so innocent. I didn't even know that this tree existed. (laughs) Other examples from the 16th century leave the snake out of the equation. This suggests that the fault of the fall lies solely with Eve and ignores the part of the story where she was coerced by the serpent. Moving into the 17th century, we can talk about The Temptation of Adam and Eve by Joaquin Huitawal, where Eve is not only giving the fruit to Adam, but she appears to be forcing the fruit into Adam's hand. Even 20th century depictions such as that by Johann Koenig depict Eve as a seductress and temptress. And we're not going to get into him, but like, let's just say hashtag believe women. So pop culture is filled with Eve. So she's one of the most frequently represented biblical figures, especially towards the end of the 20th century. Beginning around the 1990s, we see a rise in post-feminism advertising and with that different portrayals of Eve. For better or for worse, we see the figure of Eve used as this post-feminist icon for female consumer power, from everything from cosmetics to clothing and even food. But it does raise the question of whether or not these images of Eve as representative of female sexual empowerment are actually new or just like a rehashing of stereotypes of Eve as a temptress, right? So while not only through her, it's certain that depictions of Eve have structured Western society society's ideas of beauty, gender, and morality. For example, you can think of something like the placement of an apple in a woman's hand. This invokes Eve's devious sexual nature. Of course. Like, are you thinking of the Twilight cover? Because if you are, I see you. We are kindred spirits. I wasn't, but now I am. Right? That book is all about, like, temptation. Who's the serpent? 
I don't know. Edward. I never read it. <laughs> what? I saw the cover. <gasps> no, stop. I think we need to do a book club because you need to read it because you need I to- do not. No, you do. You do. Because Bella is a terrible character. She's terrible. And those books came out and were marketed to teens. And Bella is is horrible for young girls who are just growing up and trying to learn about like what love is like. And they get an example of Bella who like does almost everything to keep some man in her life who literally wants to suck her dry. You listen, no book club. We need to, I'll reread them with you. The first book is like interesting. And then as you start reading more, you're like, oh no, this is a terrible character. This is a terrible family. Stephanie Myers is a terrible person for putting this message out into the world. Why would I want to read that? Because you need to know how bad things can be. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I thought about this episode. I'm like, oh, it'll be a quick one. It is not a quick one. (laughs) And But it's for so many logical reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Like it really brings up so many examples. As one analysis of Eve put it regarding the apple, the apple's shiny red skin and juicy interior make it an apt stand-in for sex. And the seductive way in which Eve is often depicted eating it only reinforces libidinal connotations. Like, in other words, it makes the audience think about sex. And, like, that's what all these examples that, like you said, that cover of that book. But, like, literally only because one weird pervert said so. Because, like, I've never looked at an apple and been like, oh, my God. I mean, if you want to be like, what fruit is sexy? Like, a peach, maybe? Like, I don't see how they're getting all of this from this apple. Like, I don't. I still think papayas are, like, a more sexual-looking, like, cut in half. Yeah, I just, I don't like the taste of papaya, so... But like so we we've mentioned Twilight and and that series and that sort of thing but there are plenty of other examples of Eve from Eve figures in pop culture right mm-hmm. yeah so um Eden from the Hulu series Handmaid's Tale um she's a figure who's expected to repopulate the country right her name might not be Eve because uh, that might be a little bit too on the nose but Eden invokes the garden which in turn remind reminds us of Eve and her responsibilities from God then we have Eve or Eva from Wally. Uh, did you see that? I did, like very, very long time ago. Well, you know, she's a robot, so mm-hmm. she's not about to reproduce herself, but she is sent to Earth to see about the viability of the planet for returning to life on Earth, right? So she's like sent there, and the idea is that humans can come back and then populate the Earth if she says so. And what about Desperate Housewives? So there's mm. a, the title sequence features an animated version of Cronach's Adam being crushed by falling apples as Eve looks on without a care in the world. And the promo posters for season five featured the cast topless covered only by a row of apples. The tagline for that season, even juicier. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely share those photos just, you know, so you can get an idea. Yeah. Eve isn't complete without the serpent, you know, like Adam who? What? (laughs) It's all about the serpent. Think back to that moment in the 2001 MTV Video Music Awards when Britney Spears came on stage with that albino python around her neck. Mm -hmm. Like, you guessed it, Eve and the serpent. The serpent, of course, symbolizes the bad girl. Honestly, the moment when Eve and the serpent spoke alone in the garden was this defining moment that gave both snakes and women a reputation of being immoral. 
So some shows are trying to change the way that Eve is portrayed in pop culture. Killing Eve, starring Sandra Oh, has Eve as the MI5 agent who is tracking down female assassins. This time, Eve is not the villain. In addition to this reversal of, reversal of tropes, we're also given a sexual drama between two female characters. Again, Adam who? Mm-hmm. So the title of the show could be taken literally, or it could be about destroying the toxic Eve story that we've been fed for generations. These are just a few examples. There are many, many more, of course. And honestly, like, let us know, like, what are some of your favorite contemporary Eve stories? Let's talk about a few of the factors that play into Eve's big reputation that might help dismantle that a little bit. Yes. Like, translations. Yeah, some explanations for Eve's creation emphasize equality. For example, the idea that the use of a rib from Adam doesn't mean that she's derived from him, but rather that they're created from the same material, the same shape, and given life by the same process. The Sumerian word for rib can also mean life. So this too speaks to a greater quality between the two. And in Hebrew, the word used for rib can also mean curve, limp, adversity, and side. And I know we brought up side earlier in the mm-hmm. episode, but in recent years, feminist theologians have suggested that the translation would be better suited as side so as to support the idea that a woman is equal to a man and not his subordinate. This is not unlike um, Greek writings by Aristophanes on the origin of love or Plato's treatise on the separation of the sexes symposium. Right. Like we've seen this story before and and it makes more sense. And when it comes to the origin of the book of Genesis, the traditional view is that it was authored by Moses as a text that is both historic and metaphorical. However, some modern scholars consider Genesis creation narrative as one of the various ancient myths on the origin of the world. This Mm -hmm. would suggest that we need to stop placing so much responsibility on one individual. Right? Like, seriously, it's not that hard to to get there. (laughs) Other scholars subscribe to the documentary hypothesis, which suggests that Eve's story and the rest of Genesis is really a compilation of various traditions. This would explain the contradictions found within it, as well as the narratives that parallel older literature, such as the Epic of Gilgamesh. There's also evidence that suggests Adam and Eve's story is derived from Mesopotamian mythology. Basically, in ancient Mesopotamia, the goddess Ninti, whose name, coincidentally, maybe, I don't know, means lady of the rib. Mm -hmm. She was created by the mother goddess to heal Enki, the god of water, and his sick rib. In this version, though, Enki eats the forbidden flowers and is cursed for his disobedience. So I guess, I don't know, it put too much responsibility on the man, so they, like, had to change the story for these Abrahamic religions. They're like, no, 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 no. It's not his fault. It's hers. Mm -hmm. The figure of Eve has also been connected to many other prehistoric and pagan goddesses dating back to the Bronze Age. Some of these include Hurrian goddess Keptic, Semitic mother goddess Asherah, and Greek goddess of love Aphrodite. And then, then there's science. Science is a thing. Science is totally a thing. Scientific developments in paleontology, biology, genetics, and other areas explain that humans, along with basically all other living things, share a common ancestor, and that we've all evolved through natural processes over billions of years to create the many diverse life forms that we know today. 
So even if we argue that Eve was an actual individual, she was just likely one of many women who evolved in what we today recognize as humans. Basically, the plight of women and the strict sexual codes that she has to live by have been perpetrated by these handful of passages written in the book of Genesis. As we've shown, the figure of Eve has been echoed and replicated countless times. She's reflected in all of the female characters who are written as temptresses, seducers, harlots, and whores. She's reflected in the representation of witches and prostitutes and women who have been abused and blamed and women who have so frequently been reduced to, quote unquote, just mothers and wives. Whether we take her as a real figure or a fictional character or some mix of the two, readings of the original Eve have been translated and sometimes intentionally mistranslated and twisted into a figure of sin and fallen sexuality. And women in the Western world are still being held responsible for her alleged actions. Final thoughts, takeaways. So... I think that this is all kind of fucked. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that, that, that about sums it up. Goodbye, everyone. Um, so like Milton's take on Eve has been like haunting women forever. Like the idea that a woman is either too dumb to know any better or she's too ambitious and seeking some sort of power. I mean, like it can't be both. But this narrative of Eve has touched like every person we've covered. Like think of Marilyn Monroe. Like was she a dumb blonde? Or was she attempting to use her body to tempt men to make her a star? Monica Lewinsky, was she just some dumb girl in love? Or was she some slut trying to take down the whole U.S. government? Like, <laughs> all women are still being second-guessed for, for something one of us maybe did back in the day. Like, there are laws being made, and police are killing women with this idea of modesty. Like, I don't know, we didn't really talk about it, but, like, look what's happening in Iran. Mahasa Amini was arrested for allegedly breaking hijab rules. And she died after suffering multiple blows to the head. Now Iranian women are burning their hijabs and cutting their hair short. Like, all because of some idea of modesty. I feel like Eve was just a curious person, and that has always been discouraged in women. Completely agree. It's honestly amazing to me that a figure who appears for only a handful of chapters in verses of a religious text holds so much weight over the Western world. Like, talk about dudes making something out of nothing, right? Like... I mean, cool. She was the first woman. She ate from a tree she wasn't supposed to eat from. But like, really? You've got to hold her up as an example of the failings of women for the rest of time? And like, but not Adam? That's what doesn't, you know, doesn't sit right with me. Like, yeah. to to completely change the way you think about women and the way you treat women forever. But dudes, nothing. No, nothing. No. Not like, oh, I man men can't be trusted so we should put someone in place to like make sure they're not doing something wrong too because yeah. they're so easily swayed to doing things they shouldn't that's never mm -hmm. a a characteristic of men that we like worry about no 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 of course not yeah the whole thing seems a bit over the top and emotional to me like this this reaction yeah. you know that's the thing that men are always accusing women of being right is too emotional i just think that men forget that anger is also an emotion and men are like angry a lot of the time that's the only emotion they're allowed to have though right men are only allowed to be angry they're not allowed to feel any other emotion that's really sad I, let let your boys cry like i don't know it it feels like i don't know i hope I hope this new generation is changing things. I think, I think they're trying. I don't know. I've got, my sister-in-law is amazing and she's got four boys and like those boys have emotions and 
they're not forced to hide them. And I'm hoping that other women and men are raising their children to be like, you can let it out, buddy. Like you can cry. You can feel your feelings. Like mm-hmm. when you suppress those things, all you're going to get is fucking Jeffrey Dahmer's. And that's another thing that you should watch on Netflix. Cause that's all I do is watch TV. I mean, I watch a lot of TV too, but not that. <laughs> Um, We do have some resources and references for you if you're interested in learning more about Eve. There's a couple of books and a few articles here. The first one is The Gospel According to Eve, A History of Women's Interpretation by Amanda W. Benkhoisen. The Rise and Fall of Adam and Eve by Stephen Greenblatt. The Trial of Eve by Maya Wilson Autzen. From the Garden of Eden to Killing Eve, Deconstructing the First Woman in Art by Lydia Beach. And Long Demonized in Art, Eve Has Become a Pop Culture Icon by Cave Art Fair on Tumblr, which, you know, I know a lot of Tumblr stuff is like just fandom ramblings, but there are a lot of people who use it as like a serious blog as well. And this strikes me more in that vein. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have any suggestions for women that we should cover in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter at BigRepPod and Instagram and TikTok at BigReputationsPod. Send us a message or email us at bigreputationspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, or your curious women. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our link tree link found on all our social media platforms. Thanks again to our wonderful logo designer, Samantha Marmalejo, for putting that together for us. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we've got a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash Big Reputations Pod. Or just check out the link in our link tree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you'll get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up on the docket is... Poison Ivy. All right, let's wrap this episode up. Kim... What quote do you have for us this week? So because I couldn't find any quotes in the Bible from Eve or the internet wouldn't let me, but also I doubt they have any actual quotes from her. I have one from the rapper Eve. I'd rather experiment than follow the same formula. I'm a curious person. It's gotten me into trouble, but I say, why not? Let's try it. And as always, believe women. Believe women.